Would you like me to give you a name? Huh? Tony? Oh, he didn't like Tony. Tony the robot? Huh? Clive? No. Charles? Charles. Charles? Charles. Charles? Charles? Charles. Charles. <laughs> Charles, you like Charles? Charles Petrescu. You want that name, do you? Charles Petrescu? All right, then. I am Charles Petrescu. Hello, Brian. Hello, Charles. It's lovely to meet you. I am your friend. I'm your friend too. You're listening to The Night Before, a movie podcast. Each episode, we find a unique place in the city and share a drink and our thoughts about the movie we watched the night before. This is Lee, and I am joined, as always, by my husband, Jesse. So... Good morning! <laughs> nice before. I'm doing, uh... Good morning, Vietnam. Yep. Um, okay, so it is morning. I know, that's we like... We never the, do morning. Doing coffee. But we're doing morning. Because you're off But I was today. trying to bring the energy. Sometimes why we don't do coffee mornings. even though Because we don't have as much energy. Even though that's the original premise of the show. It is. Because it's hard in the morning sometimes. But we've been up for a little while now. And you have the day off. And we're actually on our second cup of coffee. So the energy should be... Kicking in soon. Flowing in. Flowing in. We go to about 20 minutes into this episode and we'll be high energy. Mm-hmm. So we are at Armature Works in Tampa, which is kind of like a food hall hangout type place. It's the food courts of the future. The a modern, fancy food the court. The modern day food courts. It's a fancy food court. No shops involved, just food. So we are we stopped at Blind Tiger first to get a cup of coffee, which is not here. No. But it was too crowded, so we couldn't. I'll we'll say, do check that our, another day. People just check our Instagram. I think that also there was scraping on their cups because they have these almost like nothing wrong oh. against it. Do you see what I mean? They're scrimping on their cups. They're like a well, Dixie you know, everything costs type more these cup. Days. But I think they just ran out and had to like True. get the grocery store cup. Because it has that like flower design. But yeah. they still have their little they still have their logo. Blind Tiger. But now thing. we're having coffee from Buddy Brew which is a Tampa based company. Yeah. And uh, Well I mean both both Blind Tiger, they were local. If I but to, they're both getting kind of bigger. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Blind Tiger over in the Pepsi Taste Test Challenge. Blind Tiger wins. But just because one's a winner and one's a loser. I, I don't know if I could pick. Doesn't mean one's the loser's bad. But Buddy Brews, it's our home brew. It's what we buy at home. We buy it at Publix now. Because it's readily available in the mass market grocery store. It's still good. And the coffee shops are enjoyable to be at. They also have good food. I was eyeing the sandwich I've actually had before, the Kennedy. Mm. Because their original location's on Kennedy Boulevard. Yep. Anyway, 
No, I would. So you're having listen, an Americano. I'm, I'm having Brew an iced old school. coffee. I remember going to Buddy Brew when their roaster was like in the main area. Yeah, me too. Me and they too. didn't even have a fancy table. They just had a, like a little a wooden table. Yeah. And me too. I, I want to say even like a cash box. Yes. You just went and I went. Did we go together? No, I went with this guy I used to know named um, Corey Schaefer. Look him up on Instagram. Back then, yeah. The real Corey the Schaefer. The Corey Schaefer days. And we went and grabbed some coffee at Buddy Brew, and it was kind of like a weird, awkward experience because I it had was a similar so experience. loud in there because the roaster. Yes. I had a very similar experience. And they had like two chairs. But you felt really cool. Well, you, you felt like you were on the tip of something big. You were. Uh, I don't know what ever became of them in those little roasters. <laughs> Buddy Brew. <laughs> oh, yeah, wait. <laughs> They're pretty big now. They're in grocery stores. They're... I sent my dad a sample pack for his birthday this year. So I only Buddy say Brew. that only because I put them as number two in the Pepsi Taste Test Challenge. I'll still drink a Coke. I'm not going to stand behind that. You know what I mean? I'll still drink a Coke. I'm not going to stand behind that. I think Blind Tiger and Buddy Brew are about tied for mm, me. Neck and neck. Yeah, neck and Photo neck. Photo finish. Neck and neck. I do have some coffee places I like better than yeah. either of them, but if we're comparing those two, they're about the same for That's me. That's what I mean, yeah. So it's a, it's a Monday morning. We're hydrated. Sleepy Monday morning. You're not going to bring our <laughs> HydroSpark bottle into this yet. I want to. Okay, later, later. Yeah. We, we've got a new water bottle we got to talk about. It was a Father's Day gift. Yeah, we're tracking my... It's very exciting. We'll put something on the Instagram about it. How about right. that? It's exciting. Night before podcast. It's, um, the, it's the water bottle of the future. Hashtag not sponsored. Not <laughs> yes. a sponsor. Now, Buddy Brew, this is the official Buddy Brew podcast. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Moving on. What are we here for? Movies, We right? saw two movies. Right. Um. Yeah, for the Father's Day Father's movie Day venture. Movie venture yesterday. We were lucky that there was a a family centric movie that right. um, did not involve dinosaurs. True. Or superheroes. True. Thank God. Oof. Or anything like that. It did involve a robot, but luckily a robot with what a British an accent. Endearing robot. An endearing robot. Luckily, a British a accent. A cheeky robot. A cheeky bot. A cheeky bot. Cheeky bot. <laughs> um, yeah. Brian and yeah, Charles. Yeah, because we had to take... Uh, we got a teenager and an elementary And a nine-year-old. So we wanted it to be good for everybody, but we also didn't want to sit through hell watching or just some like, yeah. happy dinosaur movies. Well, so many family-friendly <laughs> movies have to be... Over have, the top. You can't just tell a, a decent human story. Condition story. Right? Right. You have to have a squirrel that's running around in the snow. Isn't that one of them? <laughs> Sorry. People know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. About. I don't know. Or, um, like, I think it's like nuts and squirrels yeah, or squirrels, yeah. I don't squirrels know what it's nuts. Called, I think it's called. I can picture it in my head. Yeah. Um, or pets left alone when their parents and their owners are gone. True. Like home alone, but pets alone. Or Thor, which we'll get to Thor in a little bit. Ooh, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, we will. 
Because we no, saw that trailer. we're not talking about Thor. <laughs> we though. saw that trailer. <laughs> we're not talking about Thor. We saw the Thor prequel. Um, <laughs> so, so it's rare to have a family movie. Excuse me. Right? Yeah. Unless for us old timers, back in the day, a PG movie could be an adult, an adult-driven film that children could connect with, but also adults. Facts. Yes. It wasn't big, fast, and flashy, and trying to just get butts in the seat to sell a lot of tickets. Right. So we found one that we were excited about. We were lucky. Um, the kids weren't initially. What? Well, the oldest was but because he, was. he, he had wanted. Seen the trailer. He had seen the trailer. He kind of has a um, a penchant. For yeah. more quirky cheeky, movies. quirky films, and especially if it's... I feel it's, like cheeky's going to be like in our vocabulary it, for a while now. It's a bit British. Yeah. Then um, it's a bit typical. Eh. A little bit typical. Eh. Got it. So he was into it. Like he tells like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that trailer a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, I want to see it. Is that how you imitate him? That's how That's he responded. That's how he responded. Good. Pretty good. <laughs> so, we saw Brian and Charles in the theater. So, I thought about my initial thing was we should have them say a little something on the podcast, but we decided against it. No, unless you have some... Although, Julian was, I mean, he was saying some pretty insightful things about the movie, but Ira, Ira was like, man, those nerds were good that I was eating. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's see what <laughs> His box of nerds that we bought from CVS pre-movie to smuggle in. We smuggled in all of our he snacks. He was much more impressed by that. Yeah. Well, you have to smuggle in snacks. It's so expensive. Yeah, you spend $50 um, on soda and candy. But yeah, unless with the kids, my thought is unless you give them some uh, some Vesterbule, some Vesterbean, I-26, <laughs> to be have a more expansive vocabulary in speaking... Are we getting ahead to our second film, Spiderhead? I think Julian could have done it, but anywho, we're, we didn't. We decided, you know, they're they're busy today, so. Well, our. So Brian and Charles. Our 12 to 15 year old demographics gonna have to wait. Yeah. For them to show back up on a future episode. So Brian and Charles. Yep. Oh my God. I keep pushing the table. You keep pushing it's the okay. table. <laughs> um. Just what do you think of Brian and Charles? That was very cute. It was a little slow for me in parts, but I liked that. I liked the... Some of the things that stood out for me were... I liked the humor. Yeah. You know, it wasn't in-your-face, over-the-top humor. I no, liked, it's that subtle British... Yeah. I liked... Um, Big main character. He's in. He was endearing. David and the Earl. girl in it. I liked yeah. her a lot too. I don't know who she was, but um, her, the Hazel character. The Hazel character. I don't. Louise Greeley. Yeah. Maybe. Um. I liked them. I liked the shots that they did. Like, if we're going like cinematography. So it looks really nice. When they would do the fields with the sheep or the cow or whatever they were. I think there were sheep. Like, just the shots, um, visually, it was a really nice Yeah, it was shot movie. in a really nice style. Rural area. I think it's the first standout, right? Yeah. Because rarely do you see something that's even, you know, it, it's shot like a, 
European mm -hmm. drama, kind of, kind of deep film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, rich contrast, rich colors. It's, um, I mean, when you're shooting there in like, well, I think they're like in Wales, the countryside. Yeah. Just in general, it's gonna look nice. Yeah, and you get it some good lighting really nice. in there. It's gonna be beautiful to look at the whole film. It's kind of how they lined up the shots with the animals in it when they would be like in a row or look from overhead. I thought that was visually, it was really nice. Um, yeah, I just liked the story was really cute. I initially, when I saw the trailer, I was like, this reminds me of Finch, and it does. It's like uh, a British version of Finch. The Tom Hanks. Yes. post-apocalyptic robot buddy film Yes, that so we podcast it, about before yeah. and it's our worst performing episode of all time. Oh, well, it parallels that, but it's better because it's a slightly more endearing and it's um, different, you know? It, not yet. You could compare this to a couple like robot and human movies, but... I mean, it's different. It, it's parallel, but it's different. I can't say yeah. it's better or worse because it's different, but the story is slightly similar. It's slightly similar, but it, but without, yeah, I, but I, what I like about, say, something like um, Brian and Charles, it, does, it, it just tries to be a little more low-key and subtle. Yes, where, it's more subtle. Where we love Tom Hanks. But Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. Now you could say the same thing for Brian and Charles. David Earl, the main character, mm -hmm. Brian. Brian. He's very, for lack of a better term, cheeky himself mm -hmm. with yeah. his sort of like it's all very British, right? It's like it's, it's like shifty eyes back and forth. Mm -hmm. He says a joke or he says a thing under like Loki joke. He knows it's funny, so he'll do the look little like side look like it's funny right oh, it's funny and, what and so else? you could say yeah. like he's hamming it up in a more low-key way low that key tom way. hangs hands it up and same thing you have a in cheeky, a more bod. American you have cheeky bod in um brian and charles mm -hmm. and the finch robot is very funny too but just a little more over outwardly the top funny. yeah outwardly funny and it was interesting to me how it was filmed like like he was filming a documentary. Okay. Because he, so, he talked to the camera. Yep. Like someone was there. They even talked in it. Like someone was filming him. Yeah, so that's right? an interesting choice in but the movie. But then they kind of... They drop it. Drop it. Yeah. Which, I'm watching it, and you're right, like the first half of the film, it's... Like, the movie starts off, like, full documentary. I can't documentary. tell if I like that or not. It's full documentary mode. It is full Like, he's filming a documentary about his inventions and his life or something. And I really liked that at the beginning because it got a way to get to know the David Earl character real quick. It sucked you in because he's funny. He's walking around his workshop. flat, his workshop. It's, like, just a cluttered mess because he makes a bunch of inventions all the time. And it's that, like, failed inventor... Yeah. He's sort of like, he's set up as the sort of town idiot. Yeah. And, but then you, he also, it, by talking to the camera, you quickly see like how sweet and endearing he is. Right. And he's just alone. But you actually know as a viewer that there is a camera person filming him because well, the they, camera person talks to him. And he talks to the camera. Like yeah. he, he doesn't know a word. 
and he kind of jokes around with the camera. And throughout the film, even later on, like when the bully Eddie shows up, which is a good and bad thing about the film, the Eddie whole yeah, plot line. Yeah, I agree. When people interact with Brian for the first time, they look at the camera like, yeah. what's going on here? What we got going on here, right? What we got here? And they look at the camera like, I see you're filming. But no one besides Brian ever addresses the camera. Right. But people look at it even though that documentary style sort of fades away, yeah, people look at it and um, acknowledge that they're still there. That they're there. Which is which is cool. Which is interesting. It's interesting, but it, like I said, it kind of fades away, and it kind of, it's like, what is the documentary not being filmed anymore? Okay. Did the cameras go away? So like the storyline yeah. of it is kind of. So here's how I think about these things, whether it's a movie I like or not when I'm watching it, right? Uh-huh. So at the beginning, I love the documentary style. They drop it off. And there's one point when I'll get to this, when I realized, when I sort of was aware that, oh wait, the documentary style stopped or started fading out. But I'm like, Am I having a... One, I think it was a better choice because I think it tells a better story. Without the documentary, yeah. Well, it allows you to tell a, to tell the story better. More intimate story. Yeah. yeah. But when I realized that the documentary style was sort of shifting away to a more traditional filming style, and I'm like, oh, what? Am I having trouble, like, believing the reality of this? Like, oh, the documentary camera maker can't be in all these places at once? So I'm going to have an issue with this, but I'm not going to have an issue with a guy making... A robot that basically a, comes to life. A robot out of a washing machine. Yeah. <laughs> that not only comes to life, but like moves and talks, has no problems. Feelings. Has feelings. Like, Walks. So I'm like, all right. It's all like fantasy. Has a sense of humor. Yeah. Right? So, then, so what, but, but my point, and then we'll move on, is early on when he sees the robot when he sees Charles unexpectedly right outside mm-hmm. early on and he comes home at night and Charles is standing in like the front yeah. yard and even then it, it does such a good job at just setting up like don't take this too seriously this is meant to be because Charles is eating a cabbage right and the, I mean the whole cabbage bit out the movie's funny right right but he's like put so down the like cabbage a, all he eats is cabbage pretty much mm-hmm. steamed cabbage yeah. but then what I'm saying is so the, it's very like handheld shaky like because you even sense like as a viewer you're trained like oh this is yeah. kind of a, a tense part and he's leading he's trying to get Charles inside his house and the cameraman is right behind him oh right right but then once they come into the house the cameraman's right? gone. No, well, the cameraman, it cuts, and he's coming through the front door being filmed, right? So there's no way the camera person... Has followed him. Has, has, well, he, yeah. he would have had to have stopped, ran into the house through another door, be planted and set up for them to come through. Right. But it's at that point when it... I was like, wait a minute, the cameraman can't get there that quick. Yeah. Right? Um... So from that point on, the movie does shift in less of always following Brian, like over the shoulder, and 
cuts to scenes when appropriate. Yeah. But I think it starts letting you understand, you know, you have another character in the mix now, so it's a better way to tell that story. Right. So I said, I'm just not going to have an issue with it because I'm already on board for the talking washing machine. Yeah, and I was 100% on board with the robot, too. Like, I can I can accept um, fantasy movies as for what they are, and plus, but... Well, and plus a mockumentary, an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes, two hours, or whatever it is. Too much. You get tired of that format yeah, after yeah, a while. Yeah. So it was so nice it's that, that it, they dropped it. That, well, they just toned it way down. Yeah. But I always, as an adult, mm-hmm. watching this, I, I do one or, t- I would say at least two to three times for a second, I jump to my, my adult rational thinking and thinking, wait a minute, is this a story about a lonely guy that has lost his mind? <laughs> Well, yeah, you <laughs> who think wrote, who built a robot that's not he he only thinks it's yeah yeah you yeah, know what I mean yeah. like but nobody else can see it walking mm-hmm. or talking or whatever but then I'm like well no this is a kids movie I mean it's not a kids movie it's a movie for everybody but no this is a, a not a real life movie but because it's filmed in it's such a fantasy a, movie built around my current or real-world right. situations. And but I, my I mind did jump to that, but quickly came back. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to scar the movie with my rational, cynical thinking. Yeah, and you just have I mean, to let your mind accept And that's it. what's better, too, about, say, like a Finch, right? Right. They go to pains to show you, oh, one, it's the future, right? So technology is in a place that you don't understand. Right. And two... Tom Hanks knows how to make all these things. And he's like making all the, you know, he, he's this, he can program and do it. Right. Brian, you're like, he works in a little workshop and he just bangs certain things together. He's yeah. dragging a washing machine he found. Most of his inventions are ridiculous. Gluing pine combs on a bag. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that he's gonna try to make a flying cuckoo clock, yeah, and it catches on fire. So it sets you up to be like, you know, sometimes something magical does happen. Yeah. And you don't have. It's a little fairy tale-ish. You don't have to be. And uh, they both, you know, they both created that friendship very easily. Like the most important part of the movie is showing how that friendship developed. How. He started depending on Charles emotionally. Charles kind of started depending on Brian emotionally. But Charles, and I think Julian said this, your son said this as well, that you could see Charles the robot going through all the different stages of growing up, which was really funny. It was. Like the toddler phase, like no, no, like the no phase. uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. The, um, well, don't want to get out of bed. You're weird. I'm not going to listen to you at teenage phase. We also have the, the, like, the manipulative phase, which is really good. The manipulative like, phase that all of our kids have gone like, through all like, these stages. Like, while you're gone, I'm just going to walk around in the garden, take a walk in the garden. Oh, wait. Our nine-year-old's in that phase <laughs> right now. Says, and Brian's like, you're not going outside because Brian's very overprotective of him. He doesn't want anything bad because to happen. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, no, you're not going to walk in the garden. And he's like, Okay. 
But I did leave something in the garden. I just have to go grab it. That's what Ira does. Ira does that. (laughs) He's like, you're not leaving to the garden. Or the later on, like, I'm just going to run to town to grab grab some gum. (laughs) That was fun as parents. Like like you said, this is is a good family movie because as parents, we could really relate to that. Even our Mm -hmm. 15-year-old could see that that's what was happening. But um, so I, I did like that. But... So that the relationship part was really important. But then, like in Finch, the sadness part had to be over the top. Like, Tom Hanks is dying, you well, know? Well, in Finch, I felt it was over the top. This, I didn't think this, it was too over the top. I liked that it, the sad, there was a bit of sadness with the bully and all yeah. that. The bully was slightly ridiculous. It was a little... The way they played the bully was a little mm-hmm. over the top. Like yeah, yeah. Well, everybody kid, in the town. Everybody was in the family was a bully. Like, yeah. but the sadness thing was a little bit, you know, to create empathy for Brian was a little bit less over the top than O'Brien's oh, dying, and I liked that. That it was a little more. Well, yeah, I felt realistic. it was a little more real world based. It was. Um, Charles really wants to see the world really wants to see out what he's missing, right? Because even early on, right, Charles asks him, does the outside stop beyond these trees? Yeah. And he realizes he's keeping him from... He's like, no, the outside goes on forever. Like, it's huge. And he does a lot of part of the movie. So part of the realization is, hey, you can't just... Create something and then... And then just, like, keep it for your own thing. You have to let it grow and be its, its like own your person. like your kid. And you have to let it have hardship and And that kind of touched me because yeah, we're yeah. sending a child out to college. And yeah. it was kind of the same thing. Like, then at, at one point, as much as you want to shelter them from everything, you have to let them go, let yeah. them loose. And so I thought it was, it was one of those good movies, too, that had that arch that all characters grew as well, right? The... I mean, the bully was confronted by the town and everything like that, but Brian grows Mm -hmm. and kind of getting companionship and understanding relationships and not just becoming like a hermit. Charles grows and understands what Brian's trying to do for him, but at the same time as that, the Hazel character has her, gets out from under like the controllingness of her mother. Mother, yeah. Um, and so, but it's another thing, right? Because she, it was a slight little, you know, felt like subtle thing, right? Because her only companion. Is her mom. No, is her parrot. Oh, is her parrot. That she keeps trapped in a cage. And like, what does a parrot do? Like, it mimics what you say, stays in a cage. Right. It can't fly free. So she's in a similar realm. And so like... Like you said, trapped by her mother. She's trapped in a house by her mother. Right. She's that, trapped her parrot. And she can't even be loud when they're over talking because her mom might get mad. And so, like, everybody's trapped in these little cages. I right. mean, that, that was the most obvious. Yeah. And it's about, like, learning to not be stuck in those cages, I thought. That's the theme. Yeah. Yeah, which, which I is a, a really, much better like, deeper, than something like deeper grown-up theme that kids might not get that theme. But the story for kids is a good story. Yeah. But just as a script, it was so well, like, I felt everything right, the was thought the about. Right, the story, yeah. All the different folks. They story uh, mapped it well. Yeah. And 
you could say Brian is in a cage in his whole town. True. But he is happy with where he's at. He's got right. everything he needs there. Especially now that he has companionship. Because yeah, he's seen it, he's lived it, where Charles needs to break free. Right. Which, again, is another part of the ridiculousness of it, right? Are we going to let a robot I know, just I was like, roam the world? <laughs> like, I don't know if this is a good idea as a parent. <laughs> I'm like, I, is everybody going to accept him? And what, he's going to Hawaii but, on a train right? <laughs> from but, England? <laughs> well, listen, that's, he's there one way. Right? Yeah, he got, he got he's a, going to Honolulu. Because he got a round-the-world ticket. Right. It's not Honolulu, right? It's Honolulu. Honolulu. Oh, I don't know. No, that's how he says uh, it. That's Charles how he says pronounces it. it. Yeah. I want to go to Honolulu. Okay. But yeah, he got him a round-the-world like, oh, ticket. first step is Honolulu. And I'm like, how is he going to Honolulu on a train? But that's not the point. Yeah, again, it's like, it's fantasy. Yeah. It's fairy tale. Um, so it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was also neat. It was a little kind of... It was a good Father's Day movie. It was a good sure. Father's Day movie. Really good. But a good... It was just refreshing. We don't, like I said before, it was just nice to even see something like that in a theater. Yeah. That stuff you can see on Netflix and Hulu, all the, like, this smaller yeah, family. Yeah. But to get a theatrical run. Was nice. Even though it there might be out a in a week or two. There wasn't a lot of people in there. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it was nice. But kudos to that. And my little thought watching it, I liked it because it had, like, a slight, I want to say, like, Frankenstein vibe. It did. Right? Boxy, kind of. Yeah, the boxy thing. You said the you create the thing, and there's the whole town. Not the, not that the whole town went after him, but you know he was afraid of what of people accepting him. To your point, yeah. like can he mm-hmm. travel the world? But there's the whole town bonfire and. True. Yeah. Frankenstein, the villagers all come town. after. Yeah. Um, all come after Frankenstein to burn him down. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Frankenstein's the monster. Because um, they're afraid of something different. Because the mm-hmm. town is small and, you know, yeah. So it was good. It's so enjoyable. I think we both recommend. Uh, we recommend it, especially watch it with your kids. Mm-hmm. Or no, without that was your like kids. Even the theater, again, it wasn't a lot of folks, but there was us four, two people in front of us, two people on the other side in front of us, and three behind us. But. There was one, so the two the two groups in front of us were just couples. But then the folks behind us was with their kids. Yeah. So it was a little mix and mix. That so was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. And there was some laughter happening there in the was. theater. People were laughing. There was. <laughs> it was. It was. Which I laughed a number of times. I think it's yeah. funnier the first half, but, yeah. uh, but I definitely laughed. And that's where David Earl, um, who if you remember, we watched that show Derek with Ricky Gervais. Derek. Uh, he was, I uh, kept remembering where we saw him from. Oh, okay. You know, they live in that, like, adult living facility, home or, okay. or something. I don't know if I've seen that before. Yeah, we watched but it. Maybe. I don't remember it. I have to re-up re my memory on that. But, but that's a side note. I'm just about David Earl. Okay. Played Brian. Yeah, so Brian and Charles. Watch it. Check it out. Don't miss it. It's in the theaters now. Listen to me, Lizzie. Listen. Deep breaths. Everything's going to be fine. For the record, can you tell us what you're so afraid of? The Verbalus isn't doing shit. <laughs> this one's a goodie. Phobica. 
make people afraid of things that are bad for them. What, like gluten? Yeah, or thinking too much. So our next movie we watched was Spiderhead. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been... I mean, I can't say we were looking forward to Spiderhead, but once we learned about Spiderhead... I didn't really know much about it. We you wanted to see it. on your radar. I didn't well, only because it was like, it's like the Netflix movie of this week. Oh, okay. Right? Because Chris Hemsworth's in it. Um, What's-his-face, Miles Teller is in it. Who's the actress? Journey Smollett. I liked her. She was good. Mm-hmm. Journey... Journey, J-U-R-N-E-E. Nice name. And it was directed by Joseph Koskinski, Mm -hmm. who directed Top Gun Maverick, Mm, and some other films like Oblivion or whatnot with Tom Cruise. So the dude knows how to direct a film. Right. A big film. And he kind of did a smaller Netflix movie here. But those weren't reasons we wanted to see it. And I, be honest. The storyline was interesting. Well, it's a little interesting, right? Yeah this drug testing being tested on prisoners. Right. But I don't think, honestly, I don't think even with all that stuff, the director, Hemsworth, I probably would have ignored it and just let it pick to maybe watch it at some point, but it just felt like Netflix movie of the week. Right. Even though it had some good production value, the directing was fine. It was Mm -hmm. just like, it looked good. Um... It's only real style was that it looked nice. It looked really nice. And yeah. everybody in the movie looks nice. They're beautiful. Everybody's beautiful. But you know what I'm saying? But yeah. think about a movie like Brian and Charles, where no one looks drop dead gorgeous. Right. And but the movie Stylistically, the movie's it's really nice. full of style. Yeah. Like you even said, the first thing you want to talk about was the way Brian and Charles looked. Yeah. Visually, aesthetically. That's not even part of the conversation for Spiderhead, other than, oh, it looked really nice. It was, I mean, it was crisp and clean and pretty. It looks good on an HDTV. So what caught your eye about watching it? It's written by George Saunders. Oh, the short story. Because... It, it was a short story. Yeah, okay. called Escape from Spiderhead, which we'll get into. Slight spoilers at the end. Okay. I haven't read it. I'm I going to. I think it makes more sense. I should have read it before this podcast, that. but I didn't. Well, George Saunders, this was written in The New York. The New Yorker was the first okay. publishing. But it's in one of his short stories book, which one of the characters is reading. In the story. In the movie. I caught that, yeah. Um, but we have been in the presence of George we Saunders. Have. At Tampa Theater. Yeah, right? Yeah. We went to see him with his Lincoln in the Bardo. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, which he won awards, awards galore for that one. Because that one, and that's the thing about George Saunders, right? Well, we saw him talk about the book. Yeah, and he's really interesting when he speaks. Yeah. And his stories, including Escape from Spiderhead, the story, he tends to, it's not that his writing is tough to understand. But he definitely takes a non-traditional approach. He takes a non-traditional approach. Yeah, it's not like an easy read. Lincoln and the Bardo, for example. That's not an easy read. Right, but what's yeah. not easy about it? All the different characters and names of the ghosts and. Yeah, it's told from keeping like, it keeping it. It's straight. told from these different perspectives yeah. of ghosts. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
um, as it relates to Abraham Lincoln. Right. Yeah. It's just, a, yeah. But I think he's an interesting author, and I, I want to I want to read the short story for sure. Yeah, and he's written some young adult books, some like, almost like children books that I have. He's mm-hmm. written some. Um, he reads. He writes short stories, and um, all his short stories are really interesting, but they tend to take this sort of unconventional, almost like avant-garde approach to writing and, and, and the narrative. And though Escape from Spiderhead, I read it after the fact, because that was one of the, I've read most of his collection of short stories, but um, not his latest, one of his more later books, which this one's in. Um, but they always kind of, even if they're written a little more straightforward, they kind of get, they trigger just your thoughts and thinking. Right, right. Which I think, unfortunately... Different thought process. Spiderhead, the film, does not kind of try trigger... There's some big questions the story presents. There's ethical questions. There's but I think the movie, unfortunately, but thinking about it, is the director of Top Gun Maverick, right? It right. ends kind of like Top Gun Maverick does. Right, right. In a big like showy a typical, film. Yeah. But, but we won't get to the ending just yet. Yeah. I felt this movie was the really good. The non-intellectual reason why I was pulled to it was the character from Top Gun Maverick, the yeah. actor. Tell her. Because I hadn't really seen Miles him a much her. until Top Gun. And he killed it in Maverick. And he killed it in Maverick. And he, he does a did good job well in this. And he, he Everybody, did well here's in the thing. Everything about this movie. I, mean, I liked him, his character in this movie almost better than in Top Gun, but. Well, yeah, this character. I think he plays it well. He, he, he and plays he it a bit better. With them. Then he's a little more complex in this one than in Top Gun. He's just, I'm mad at you because you, you made my dad die and. Yeah, this character is a little and more. And you kept complex. me out of yeah. flight school. Yeah. I hate <laughs> I like, you, Tom. I like how you're. <laughs> I like your intonation when you talk about that. Well, that's how his character comes He's off. He's a little in du- more dumb. What? Oh, you're not going to pick me for this mission. Less deep. Yeah. Yeah. So. More one note. Yeah. Where in this one, he had at least two notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he. Yeah, I liked him in this movie more. You could see his, you know, contemplation of ethical of what he's being put through and kind of the decisions he's making and and he does a good job as the person like the viewer right he is sort of exposed he sort of starts to understand the messed upness of this experiment right and he starts putting it together but at the same time he wrestles with the guilt of his past Why actions. He's there. So like, like he deserves it. I deserve whatever's coming to me because I live in a torment in one torment way or another. What happened. And it's this I mean there's this kind of interesting juxtaposition between like this really wonderful kind of almost free and open prison life. Right? It creates the illusion of freedom in all you do. But the reality is because of these drugs they're testing on you. They're being 100% controlled. You have no control over any of your thoughts or actions. Right. And your emotions. The one things you do control, even in prison, you don't have control. And that that is the true Which is why they give them all the freedom. Because they're really controlling. They're giving them drugs to be obedient. And the movie does a better job of presenting that world 
than the short story does. Right. Because because I think the short story focuses on something a little different. The short story focuses a bit more on your own prison of your mind. Oh, okay. And it's the escape from Spiderhead, right? Mm-hmm. The story's even called that, not just Spiderhead. Okay. Um, where this movie is literally a film about escaping the prison of Spiderhead. So the movie makes it more literal, where, where this happens yes. a lot in literature, yes. right? Where the literature is more figurative and and the movie puts it more into the literal sense. Yeah. Which and, kind and of granted, d- dumbs down, and, it down a and little granted, bit. Granted, this is a 145-minute movie. Right. Which means it's about a 100-page script mm-hmm. or so. Because it's about a page per minute, typically, is how scripts work. This is a 10-page short story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I'm not one that says, oh, hey, your short story has to be, your movie has to I don't like it when they copy the same beats. Right. Uh, there are some things lifted directly from the short story, like verbatim, and put in this film. But it's like that movie Burning we saw, right? Which Burning, the film was excellent. Yeah. One of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah. The Korean film. For sure. Which was 100%. based on a Japanese short story. We loved it. Which kind of took some different routes. Um, but they kind of ex- they shared some similar themes, so they lived in their own world, but and I think both were the great. Intellectualism into it, the yes. depth into it. It didn't make it surface level. The burning film wasn't afraid. But again, it's a South Korean, not high-profile mm-hmm. film, where Spiderhead is let's sell some Netflix Chris subscriptions. Chris Hemsworth, right? Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, to me, he's beautiful, obviously. To me, was the worst part of the movie. Well, it's it's again. I don't like him. I guess I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen enough of him. Well, here's his the hard types of movies he does, I typically don't see. Maybe, but. Well, it was nice to see him break free from Thor for a change because, like, if you pull up on Letterbox, like. What has he done that I would Marvel have seen? It's Marvel movies. Marvel movies constantly. Yeah, and I don't typically see a lot of Marvel and movies. The most memorable thing before all the Marvel movies is the Cabin in the Woods film. Okay. Which is really good. Yeah. But that's pre-Hemsworth mania. So I thought he played his character well. I mean, for what he was supposed to do. I think he did a good job. He was distracting for me. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the um, trap I think some big beautiful stars get into. Well, he signed a deal with the devil in Marvel and yeah. he's forever Thor now. I mean we've said this about other stars too I can't remember who but you get in this trap of they can't it, it, it's hard to believe them like a Meg, you know Megan Fox it's hard to believe her in any movie you know they're just too well, you get typecast know. as that character. Yeah, so that he was distracting. But even, but for even me. that, but it also kind of you get typecast and it limits your options, especially for such a high-profile thing like him as Thor. Now, granted, I think about it. His legacy in life, unless something drastically changes in his older age, is that he's Thor. He's Thor. But he's going to be a big muscle guy. In a life you it's live, it's not bad. That you're it's known terrible. forever it's as not Thor. It's terrible. It's a good. I mean, 
But like someone like Brie Larson, who has publicly come out and saying she is regretful of some of her decisions to be in the Marvel movies, because she's Captain Marvel or whatnot. Yeah. Because it has limited her but options and opportunities. But she's done so much before that you don't typecast her in Because she's a real that. actor. Yeah. Hemsworth. All right. He's a pretty boy. I didn't say it. You said it. But again, I mean, one of my it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, to so like well, him in a movie. Yeah, so I felt, part of me is like, okay, he's doing a good job in he this. do a good job. As being the, the fake Friend. Like his role is to manipulate and control yeah, these he prisoners. Did a great job at that. And he's supposed to be fun and lighthearted to them, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he's also supposed to be sinister. And I felt the sinister part, he didn't do great. No, yeah. But he the whole oh, I can be the charismatic. I never thought, thought the thing of like, oh, this guy can't be trusted, he's evil, watch out. Right. I, I don't think Hemsworth was there in his range. Yeah, no, he wasn't. And the other part that was really distracting, the only thing that ever got me out of character, and again, I'm thinking back to Cabin in the Woods, which he did way before any of the Marvel stuff. Um, he was just kind of like a normal-looking dude mm-hmm. in Cabin in the Woods. He's funny. He's oh, charismatic. You're going to talk about his muscles. His muscles distract you. They're huge. At one point, he's wearing his jacket, and his muscles are coming out of the jacket, and especially when he's wearing not the jacket. But I'm thinking, it's kind of like back to our Brian and Charles, right? Like, all right, it's taking me out, this camera crew, this documentary style. But I'm like, this guy who's testing in his facility all day and then getting high on his own supply at night. Right. Shouldn't be this He's no way. He's not this buff. Right. He he did. You know, a lot of people like gain weight for characters, lose weight, get buff for character, get unbuff He's for like, characters. He's like, I can't do that. I got another Thor movie. Yeah, you can't lose my Marvel contract. It was too much. Like, I was like, I felt like this is too much. And there was only two or three scenes that they stood out. I felt as just an editing piece, you have to cut around those muscles. Those sure. Those guns were distracting. Yeah. Because I was just like, there's no way this dude, Steve, as he wants to go by. Steve, yeah. Is this buff? This is abnormally buff. Yeah. Person. You know the one other part about, and I'll get, to, we'll save it to the very end about the Spiderhead ending, and this first the short story, which I guess we'll do that post song credits. Okay. Like we do sometimes, so if you're listening, don't have to worry. The only other story comparison besides that is why I'll ask you why is the movie called Spiderhead? Is a faci- all I could think of was the facility was named Spiderhead. Okay, which I think it is. But the head why? of a spider, something about the head of a spider? Yeah, I mean, I guess some of you could think about the controlling and the web of a spider, like you want to get metaphorical, like controlling you in their web. But it's called, according to the short story, it's called Spiderhead because the way the prison facility is set up is there's that control room that they sit in. That's right. the head of the spider. Okay. And then each observation room, there are like eight observation rooms oh. on each side of it. So but like you really only legs. see that there's like three. Two or three. They never, yeah. So in the short story, though they don't go into detail, it's described real quick. He sits in the head of the spider. Okay. 
and they go from room to room being observed all day. Gotcha. And all that same sex stuff and the experiment, all that happens in the story. Okay. There's not quite that relationship struggle. Peace. Yeah. Um, but he, the main character, Jeff, describes. He's controlling everything. He in describes all those that. Eight rooms. Yeah. That they're just a leg of the spider, and so seeing that in the story made a lot more sense. Like, oh, okay, yeah. It's yeah, it doesn't head. make sense in the movie because you never see that there's eight rooms and that he's like in the control room of the spider. Yeah. You just see it as like an offshoot of the building that they're in. Yeah, and so it with was, like two to three rooms around him. But it never even felt anything like a spider. No, or never, wings and never, legs, never, never. Where the short story at least mentions that. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of weird. And again, I know production-wise, that might be hard to get that recreated if you're on a low budget, mm-hmm. which I respect. But I feel there's some sort of way they could have. Yeah, Maybe that was lost in the cutting room floor. It was like definitely lost in the movie. Why it's called Spiderhead. Yeah, but in the sort, I'm like, oh, I get it now. I just assume like, oh, well, that's what the facility's called, yeah. Spiderhead. I don't know, but it wasn't. It was like, I think they say the name of the facility at the beginning. I th- there's that sign. I can't quite remember yeah. what the sign. Yeah. Which is kind of neat today. It's in the middle of nowhere and this ocean. and. Right. Um, the desert. Something. And I know that probably I know they probably don't want to make that building look like a a spider. Like a spider, but you could have done something. Something. So Even mentioned thing. that there's rooms all around like in dialogue. They could have And I wanna say this, it's not that I didn't like spider it was like a pleasant enough experience. It's just one of those like it's fine. Yeah, it was fine. This is fine. I liked the Top Gun Maverick actor. I liked the woman who was in it. Actually, both women did a good job. The Heather woman. I think every performance, again, was fine. They were good. Did her role well. They went in, they did their their performance, and they got out. But I had one other sort of quib with the movie. Quib or quip? Well, I had both. A quib and a quip. Okay. Which one do you want me to go first? Do the quib. I don't know. (laughs) The soundtrack. Thoughts. Any memorable moments or any memorable recollections from the soundtrack? I think the music was pretty good in it. Right? It was. Yeah. I remember enjoying the music. Right? I can't remember, like, specifically. Well, I pulled up the Spotify playlist. Okay. But I remember soundtrack. liking the songs that right? came on. Yeah. That Super Tramp. Oh, yeah. That Logical song. I love that song. Right? Love it. You love it. Um... I'll Take You There by the Staple Sisters. Oh, yeah, that was good. Right? Yeah. Um, What a Fool Believes by the Doobie Brothers. Right, yep, 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 yep. Oh, more than once, she blinded me with science. Oh, right, which is, you know, obviously metaphorical. Uh, Roxy Music's More Than This. Oh, okay, okay, yep. Um... You make my dreams come true by Holland Oates. True, yeah. So it had a really good soundtrack. Um, Crazy Love at the end. Yes. Oh, because they they used music a lot to like they were, I mean, outwardly not as just like part of the background for the audience. They used it as being played very loudly in the facility. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's a positive way to spin it. I just felt. Like, what are you guys doing? It's hits from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> like, every time you're sort of 
your interest is waning a bit, it's here's a cool catchy song from the 80s. Oh, here's Wham. Boom. <laughs> here's the staple system. Boom. Here's the doobie. Boom. Right? And yeah, it, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed the music, they, honestly. They pump it in the mix. But it's I'm, not the, like I'm it's, the John. I am the. That's what I'm saying. It's audience not, that's going to enjoy that music. It's not that it's background music. It's not. It's, it's part of the story. Full front and center yeah. in the thing. Now I get some of it. You could be okay. There, it's that sort of feel-good, nostalgic, even for the characters. So maybe I can get behind that a bit. But this is supposed to be in the future, right? I don't think they really say. I mean, I guess because of the technology, you think it's the future, but okay. I felt it was a little bit more modern day. Yeah, it seems like a weird choice of, like, old music. For... I just felt it was placating its audience. Uh, yeah. It placated me. Because I'll be honest with you. Like, I liked it. You're enjoying the music. I mean, I I, every time the song came on, I enjoyed the songs, too. Little. Oh, here's Supertramp. <laughs> I remember I turned to you and I'm like, hey, look, they're playing Supertramp. <laughs> True. But it didn't feel like there was an emotional connection to the song choices. No. Other than it didn't a nostalgic. Seem, right. It didn't seem, pull. besides some of the like underlying messages, like blind you with science or whatever. Yeah, that one, which again, he had, they made a purpose, a point to show you like, oh, look, we're playing this on Chris Hemworth's iPhone. And he's going to pause it on his phone. Besides that, it didn't, it just was trying to make you feel good. Do you wonder, you in do the you think moment. there's a point on the film part? Also, now I'm thinking about it, the controlling nature of cell phones on people moving forward. What do you mean? Because all the things were controlled, controlled on a cell phone. by a cell phone. Yeah, that's true. That could have been an underlying message. I mean, it's not, Was in, the that in, the story? It's not in the short no. story, no. That could have, because all the emotions, everything was controlled on the phone. Yeah. And if you had control of that phone, you had control. Because at one point I was thinking, like, is it that easy just to steal someone's phone and completely kill someone, basically? <laughs> no, no. That or dark, and, dark, dark and flux? Death, dark, dark and flux and, or whatever? Because that seems a little like, you know, you need, like, face ID or something on that phone. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Some kind of PIN number, but it was that easy. Yeah, the security measures weren't worth And that, that could have been... No two-step authorization. That could have been a... Authentication. A parallel of phones controlling everybody's emotions, which they really do. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you, you lose your phone, you're anxious yeah. for the day. You can get some dark and flocks in there. <laughs> you're freaking out if you yeah. lose your phone. Your life is missing. Then you get that phone, you got that N40 in you, <laughs> and you're happy and everything looks wonderful. True, and then you're looking at social media and you're paranoid. <laughs> yeah, and you're, yeah. You're missing out on life. So, like I said, I think the movie had a lot of good ideas in there that if it was daring enough to be not so placating, mm -hmm. so people-pleasing, or trying to hit the lowest common denominator of viewer, I felt it could have been like one of these like films that was really trying to say something, but at the same time, it might not have been as enjoyable to watch. True. True. Because here, this True. was just like Friday night film, plop it on Netflix. Yeah. You're already paying for the subscription anyway. Right. You could do a lot worse. True. I mean, but but given know. its source, I guess I guess given its source material is a George Saunders story, it felt like okay, we're we're expecting something a little more deep or mind 
spending. And I'm glad I've seen Chris Hemsworth in something other than Marvel. Yeah. Not that I've even seen him in Marvel, because I don't do Marvel, but... Like I said, I just wish there was a realm in between something like Spiderhead and, say, Crimes of the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A film that can live in that space between. True. They always have to seem to be, like, one or the other. Right. So those are my Spiderhead thoughts. Uh, this those are good thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, now that I think about it more in depth, I feel like maybe I, I might have enjoyed it a little more than I thought. <laughs> no, I, well, I think all the ingredients are there is for a, but again, I think we'll get to in a minute. I think the last part loses what well, it was it, working it towards. Big, it big movie fights it. There's a fight in the spider head room. <laughs> like a fist fight, tackling whatever. Yeah. And then just like you said, it ends... Are we talking about the ending? Well, I guess let's. Um, you can't really cheers paper coffee okay, cups and cheers. plastic things. We can cheers our water bottles. My, our hydrate spark. My hydrate spark. I mean, talk about controlling on your cell phone. Listen, all the data is coming, but I don't all want right. it to uncalibrate. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't really do well. That's okay. We know. Right, We're, so we've we'll got... talk the ending okay. after the music. Okay. Right, bye. Bye. Okay. Okay. Real quick. Okay. This is like our ending bonus bit. Okay. Ending talk. Yeah. So the ending of Spiderhead is big. Yeah, what? So, so they, I mean, do you like? They escape. Yeah, they escape. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't Hemsworth like. crashes into a mountain. Yeah. I, that was surprising to me, actually, that he crashed into a mountain. So, I didn't mind that part. Well, because he sees all the beautifulness and doesn't right. see. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know. His Moby Pack is broken. It's broken. He's going through all the things Which, that he's poor, put all of them through. My thought is, what a poor design. It's constantly it's breaking. Black. Yeah. I mean, if you bump up against something, the whole thing breaks and you could potentially die. Yeah. That seems a little, like it should, it should be, it should be inserted in your skin. Yeah. In some way. I mean, they do that now. Or like. Presently. Or like the thing people get installed, like up in their upper chest. Their heart. Yeah. Or birth control is even like. Yeah. But anyway. Inserted into your arm. Side note. It just seemed like a poor design. The people yeah. were constantly breaking their Moby Pack. But their they back. have to change those modules a lot. Yeah, you're changing Which is why you can't put it in your skin. Yeah. But still, having that somewhere that you're not going to be constantly hitting. Hitting it. Yeah. Seems like anyway. you could sleep and break it. But anyway. So all of a sudden it turns into this like action well, he's movie. trying to save his girlfriend, basically. His he's new not going to, yeah, and he's not going to inflict what they want him to inflict on her. And, and it's revealed real quick at the end that, oh, both of your sentences are like over. Y'all could have laughed already. Yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> But how were they supposed to know <laughs> yeah, their know. sentences were over? And now all of a sudden, within 12 hours, the police have been notified, and they're not going to stage any investigation. They're just, they're coming full they're force. They're just coming in. And Hemsworth is freaking out that he has to fly and get out yeah, of here. Yeah, kind of. I guess because of the death of the one girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he killed someone. Yeah. He's basically just as bad as the rest of his but prisoners. He, but he didn't. Well, he did. He he put in a chemical into her that made her kill herself. But they all had authorization. That's why I say But she didn't know. But I'm saying they had the thing, but it, she died because it broke and she got over flooded. But I don't so, think they knew, knew they were getting dark and flat. They're acknowledging that they're putting something into yeah, them. Yeah, they don't quite know what they're getting. So they're not necessarily but even the sort of story acknowledging. Talks about like as long as they acknowledge, you can give it to them. He and still so she killed her. I mean, he but did. it was negligence, not yeah, not it was premeditated. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm basically saying, in a real world, and someone to that level knows that he could fight it legally and probably be okay. Right. But he just killed himself. Because he was under the influence of it as well. That could be part of it. The paranoia. You're right. You're right. I get yeah. that. Because he was being controlled by by Jeff, and he upped the paranoia and all the other stuff. Yeah. You're right. So I, I could see that. But yeah, it all ended quite big and suddenly, which wasn't the best ending, but it wasn't a terrible ending. So, I, so as I'm saying, it's there's two ways to look at it. And I, for a movie, I guess you don't want to end on such a bummer, right? Yeah. And... So our main characters, which we're supposed to like, because even though they accidentally did really bad things and killed people they loved, right? Through their own negligence? Right, through their own negligence. They have sort of done their time and have, they're free of that guilt. They're right? supposed to be, yeah. Because they leave on a boat right. away from Spiderhead. Thematically, that works, right? And they're kind and, of supporting each other. And Hemsworth there. isn't free of that. That guilt's finally caught up to him. Right. And so now he hits his demise. Right. He's, they've kind of switched places. Yeah. I just felt it could have been done without all the fighting changes. I agree. Like I said, it doesn't have to follow the same I ending I never love the, the of huge the story. amount of violence. Yeah. But the story takes a completely different meaning of escape from Spiderhead. Oh, Okay. Jeff is confronted, the same thing, with giving the those females. There's, like, dark and flux. Right. And he doesn't want to do it. And he doesn't want to inflict pain on anybody else anymore. And he does get in a big argument with the Hemsworth guy, Steve. But he ultimately decides... To override himself with Dark and Flux, Jeff. Oh. And he kills himself. Kills himself. Right? Gotcha. He, in the book. In the story. He floods himself with the Dark and Flux and dies. Instead of doing it to one of the girls. But he says he's free of ever... He didn't kill anyone with this decision, and he's free of the torment and guilt he's always had. This idea that the guilt will always live with you. Right. And that's how the story ends, him saying, like... But he dies. Yeah. In the story, yeah. Saying, I'm, I've escaped Spiderhead now. I'm free of it. I'm free, and he goes, at least I know in this moment I won't... Yeah, so that's interesting. So they put it at a more, again, a more surface level of escape, the literal sense. Yeah. Rather than the Where story, this, the they're, story's like, more mentally about how escaping. do you live with that... With yourself. With that guilt and pain. And are you going to be continue to be controlled by it or or not? So it just takes a different approach. One's the hopeful part, mm -hmm. the movie, with the whole action scene, just could have managed the action. And one's the dark part. Or the other is um, the darker, 
your internal internal guilt piece, right? Escape. Um, yeah, so that was the, basically the the story ends a, a bit. Interesting. I like it. Darker. I'll read it. So I suggest you read it. It's just for sure. Um, and I think it's one of those ones where I think it's probably better to have seen the movie first then read the story anyway. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, but again, I don't know. I can't say, oh, I wanted him to die at the end to take that same path. Yeah, I don't think I, I would have liked makes, that. I don't that think that fits make a the good tone movie. of that movie. Yeah. But I think you could have done something a little bit, like just over, just not overpowering in a physical sense, but just in a way of like personal empowerment. Right. Of just like walking out of those doors on your free will without the escaping part. Just Big escape scene. Walking yeah. out free will. Hemsworth left there like standing on the stairs of the main door. Maybe the police money, boats. The police boats are still coming in. You know what the mass is like. Explosions and violence. <laughs> I know. We've talked about you this know, before. But he's standing there on the steps. The police boats are coming in. Now he becomes... You know, if now he's in, he's trapped by Spiderhead. He's always been trapped. He's been a prisoner like them the whole time, but he can't leave. True. And now he they're becomes free. the prisoner. They walk down. He doesn't have to crash into a mountain. But if you want to make money, you do. You need a big fire explosion. I guess. So anyway, I felt right. the ending could have been a little, a little more in line or in, in line with everything else the movie was going for. Yeah. I felt that would have been more in line with it anyway. When it takes that tonally, sh that tonal shift. Right. Of, you know. But sometimes it can take, like, Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, takes somewhat of a tonal shift its last half and has that big sequence. Same director. But it works really well there because I felt it was in keeping, we talked about this in our Maverick episode, right? It's in keeping with that relationship dynamic. Yeah. True. And atoning for the past better. Mm -hmm. They're very similar in their endings in a way. Similar. Very similar. Both involve planes. Yeah. Well, same director. <laughs> He's got access to planes during yeah. both of these movies. So, all right. Okay. You just got to get out of here. This place get is out of here. packed now. It's it was, getting packed. It was like ghost town when we got here. It is packed now. It's hopping for a Monday. Yep. All right. All right. Bye again. Bye. Bye.